Hey everyone, and welcome to Jesus Stories. This is the podcast which tells the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and we do it without preaching. In our last episodes, Jesus has been wandering toward his final week of his earthly life as he travels toward Jerusalem. This is the fifth installment of that particular journey. He's still going to be teaching and healing and as he travels along, leaving lasting impressions on everyone he encounters. This week's episode will feature some teaching about prayer, another view of the kingdom of heaven, and a resurrection from the dead. And all of this results in a meeting to talk about killing Jesus. We'll dive into these teachings and events shortly. I cannot start this podcast, though, without addressing the world events that are occurring as we speak. Some 10 days ago from the day I'm recording, Russian troops invaded the country of Ukraine. What has followed is a horror for the world to watch, but more a horror for the residents of Ukraine to experience. This is not the way of Jesus. I wanted to share a quote with you from uh, a friend of mine on Facebook who, who is ministered in the Ukraine, and he currently serves my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in another European country. This quote is from a book entitled The Unvarnished Jesus, A Lenten Journey, and I'll put a link to this book in the show notes so you can look it up yourself if you so desire. Here's the quote. The kingdom of Christ is the anti-Rome, and Jesus is the anti-Caesar. Caesar and all of his successors come to power through conquest. But Jesus became King of Kings on Good Friday. Jesus eternally reigns from the cross. The way of Christ is not the way of conquest and colonialism, but the way of co-suffering love. James and John were still laboring under the ancient lie that the only way to really change the world is through the force of violent power. And I'm afraid that most of us are still very susceptible to this lie. We think of love as a mere sentiment while accepting violence as true power. Yet the whole life and ministry of Jesus is a repudiation of this lie. May Jehovah God strengthen the people in Ukraine. May he encourage them through his Holy Spirit. May he change the heart of Vladimir Putin. May peace reign over the world. Amen. These Jesus stories come your way because of your support, but with this episode, I'm going to ask that you lend some support to those in Ukraine instead of here. I've linked some resources in the show notes for your consideration. If you know of other places to help and want to share them with us, touch base using our Facebook or Twitter pages. Please just keep listening and sharing this podcast on social media and in real life. You can find the links on my website at jesusstories.info that's jesusstories.info Sweet is that ever was 
When we left Jesus in the last episode, he had just completed teaching through stories or parables concerning honesty and wealth, about how wealth was managed and the coming of the kingdom. Today, he continues with more stories. The first story is about prayer. In fact, the scriptures tell us what the point of the story is right up front. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And then he continues, There's a judge in a city that neither feared Jehovah God nor cared about people. Now, this is not a judge like we might think of today. Here in the United States, I think about a judge sitting in a courtroom in his robe. He's ready to rule on a case using the law as his guide. In the first century, this is a man who travels about with his aides and sets up a tent to hold court. The tent is open, allowing anyone to watch the proceedings. However, only those who are approved and accepted can have their cases heard. And those selected usually bribed an assistant to get the judge's attention. There's a widow who came to the judge. She comes over and over again with the same plea. Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Now, we don't know the specifics of this case, but we do know the status of the widow. Usually, during the first century, a widow was a nobody. She had no standing in society because she was a woman. She had no support because she was a widow. She was probably living in poverty, which meant that she wouldn't be able to afford a representative to argue her case. But in her desperation, she comes to the judge over and over again with the very same plea. Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. At first, the judge just ignores her. But she is so persistent in her begging, the judge finally says, This woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Jesus says, learn a lesson here. The judge rendered a decision. Don't you think that Jehovah God will give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. And he closes with the statement, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Jesus is not finished teaching about prayer. He tells the next story to some who had great confidence in their righteousness and scorned everyone else. He starts with two men who go to the temple to pray. One man is a Pharisee, the other is a tax collector. So let's understand who these two men are. Both are Jewish. The Pharisee is a religious leader of the day. He is one of the leaders that has been unhappy with the teachings of Jesus. The Pharisees were considered the most righteous of people, as opposed to this tax collector. He is considered a traitor to his Jewish countrymen. He collects money from them to send to Rome, and usually he collects more than what is necessary and lines his pockets with the excess. No wonder. Jesus calls him despised. So both of these men go to the temple to pray. 
The Pharisee stands by himself and prays, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I am certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. The tax collector stands away, not even lifting his eyes to heaven. He beats his chest in sorrow and prays, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Then Jesus concludes, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus continues with another parable, another story. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who goes out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agrees to pay these workers the usual amount for a day's work. He goes out later in the morning, around 9 a.m., and hires more workers, telling them he would pay them what is right at the end of the day. And he did the same at noon, and at 3 p.m., and at 5 p.m. In the evening, he calls everyone in to collect their wages, and beginning with those who were hired last, he pays his workers. Everyone received the same wage, the wage for a full day's work. Now, those who had worked all day protested. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them as much as you paid us who worked all day long in the scorching heat. The landowner answers with the question, Have I been unfair? Did you agree to work for this wage? I wanted to pay this worker who arrived late the same wage that I paid you. Is that against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? Jesus concludes with this lesson. So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Jesus then gets word that a friend of his, Lazarus, is very sick. Now, this is not the same Lazarus we heard about in the last episode. That was a parable, a story. This Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. Yes, this is the same Mary and Martha who hosted Jesus that we talked about earlier. Jesus, upon hearing about this illness, says that Lazarus' sickness would not end in death. This has to happen, he says, so that God and his son would receive glory. So Jesus stays put. He doesn't go to Lazarus, even though he loves Lazarus and his sisters. He just stays put for two days. Finally, he tells his disciples, let's go back to Judea. The disciples object. Rabbi, it was only a short time ago that the Judeans were trying to stone you to death, and you you want to go back? Jesus responds, There are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples counter by saying that if Lazarus is sleeping, he'll get better. They thought that Lazarus was literally sleeping, but Jesus meant that Lazarus had already died, and he tells them that, and he adds, I'm glad you weren't there. Now you'll really believe. Come, let's go see him. One of the disciples, Thomas, 
pipes up and he says, let's go to and die with Jesus. Thomas seems to think that this is a suicide mission. Jesus and his disciples arrive at Bethany, Lazarus' hometown. He was told that Lazarus had been buried for four days. Martha, hearing that Jesus was coming, ran out to meet him. Mary stayed back at the house. So Martha tells Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then she gives a great statement of faith. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha says, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. But Jesus has something else in mind. He tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Then Martha confesses, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. She returns to Mary who is still at their house, and tells her that Jesus wants to see her. Mary goes to Jesus, who has stayed outside the village. The people who have been with Mary follow her, assuming that she was going to Lazarus' grave. Mary comes to Jesus and falls at his feet, weeping and saying, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. This moves Jesus. Not only is Mary weeping, but there are others weeping and wailing with her. He is angry and troubled, and he asks Mary, where have you put him? Mary takes Jesus to the grave. Jesus is overcome with emotion, and he cries. The people around him see this and comment about how much Jesus loves Lazarus. But some weren't so nice. This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? The grave is in a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. When they get to the grave, Jesus, he's still angry. He tells people to move the stone. Martha protests, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responds, didn't I tell you? that you would see God's glory if you believe? The stone is moved. Jesus looks up to heaven. He prays, Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. His hand and feet were still bound in the grave clothes. His head was wrapped as well. Jesus tells them, unwrap him, let him go. Now, there were a lot of people around who witnessed this miracle of the resurrection of Lazarus. Many of them believed in him, but some went down the road to the Pharisees to tell them about these events. So the leading priests and the Pharisees call the Sanhedrin, the high council, together, and they ask the question, what are we going to do? 
If we allow Jesus to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. That will cause Rome to come destroy our temple and our nation. So let me explain this statement. During this time, Rome allowed the Jews to practice their beliefs as long as they didn't interfere with Roman governance. These leaders are concerned that these miracles will ultimately challenge Rome and cause them to lose the privilege of practicing Judaism. The high priest at the time, Caiaphas, he speaks up. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed? He was led to utter this prophecy. He's saying that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And the writer of these events, John, reminds us that Jesus would die not only for the nation, but to unite all the children of God scattered around the world. From this time on, Jesus is in the crosshairs of these leaders. They begin to plot his death, so Jesus no longer moves about publicly among the people. These events took place close to Jerusalem, so he leaves the area and he moves northward to a village called Ephraim. We're going to close our story there for this time. These Jesus stories are supported by you, the listeners of this podcast. If you've benefited from these stories, I invite you to pray about and consider supporting this podcast, either with a one-time donation or an ongoing donation. You can visit the website. That'll show you how. JesusStories.info. Click on the Support This Podcast tab in the menu. You'll find out how to support us, both as a one-time donation or as a continual donation. But as I said at the outset, I would ask you consider how to financially support Ukraine before you support this podcast. Did you know we're on Patreon as well? It's a great place to check out the podcast and the stuff that will be coming soon, very, very soon, for those who support us in an ongoing manner. All these Jesus stories are available on your favorite podcast player. However, people find out about us because you write a review and you rate us. So would you tell others about us? And by the way, I've got a special way for you to share this podcast in real life. Yeah, check out the webpage, jesusstories.info. Click on the Share This Podcast tab in the menu. How are these stories touching your life? Would you care to share with me? Your story? Your sharing is confidential, plus it'll offer me a specific way to pray for you, my listener. Just send me a DM or an email. You'll find all the links on the webpage. It's at jesusstories.info. That's jesusstories.info. Click on Contact Us. Next time, Jesus will answer some questions from the Pharisees and his disciples and a rich man. He'll meet some children. He'll talk about his death while his disciples still go get the nature of the kingdom that Jesus is establishing. We're still ultimately going to Jerusalem for that final confrontation. So we'll see you in two weeks.